Nothing against them, of course. When, in Paris, uh, this would be, I guess, before you met, uh, during, during the 20s, did, were you, uh, when you were living in, in Montparnasse, you were part of the, the cafe uh, crowd? Very isolated. I was a little girl who many years was alone. And only after several years, I couldn't even tell you when, I started to have many friends. But there were years of complete isolation. And I remember there was, uh, what is this famous Russian journalist who lived in Paris and then went back to Russia? Jesus Christ. He was a famous journalist. But I, I must find out his name. And then it was back in, in Russia, and I think he died very old now. It, it'll come back. And he never spoke a word of French, because a Russian writer doesn't speak French. He would ruin his Russian. Brecht never spoke of, uh, a word of German, of English. Otherwise, he couldn't have written in German anymore. Hmm. He barely, after years and years of America, he didn't speak English at all. So, Ilya Ehrenburg was his name, famous right? Ilya Ehrenburg. Ilya Ehrenburg. And he was always sitting with his groups on, t on the table. And I was always sitting alone, very self-reliant. And there were many times when I knew that he pointed me out and he talked about me to these people, probably wondering what is this pretty young girl with this strange face doing always alone. I know it's that he talked that over. Hmm. Was there a particular cafe that you always went to? Always a dome. And then there was a coupole, but really it was a dome. On the other side there was a rotonde, and the rotonde was out of fashion. The dome was center, and then the coupole, the coupole was much more bourgeois. The coupole? Yeah, the coupole. And then on the other side was the select, which was the cafe of the homosexuals. Everyone went from one to the other, from one to the other. It was very good. Did you ever visit, uh, I know we talked with Bernice a little bit about, um, uh, she referred to it as Cactus Bar, Le Bourse de Toit. Um, that was actually... Martin? Yeah. I'm not sure where it was. I think it might have been. I'm not. Yes, when people took me over there, out of Rose took me to Montmartre several times, but not really. You didn't go about much because you didn't uh, have uh, a lot of people. You see, there. I was a visual. I wasn't interested to see Paris. I became visual when I picked up the camera. And then I left. Well, I'm thinking that, that the next thing we want to really get into is the photography. Maybe we ought to stop now and uh, yeah. and uh, walk over. Uh, okay. And uh, I should uh, I should call. Uh, I want to use this? You ask about a camera. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, an eye level camera. And in addition to having all my other stuff in here, I brought the. Brought this to show you. Well, I'm delighted. Not that you have a situation so well in hand. We're going to go to dinner and uh, uh, we'll, uh, now it's not 
<laughs> it's not light uh, by 35 millimeter standards. But the, this is a one of Pentax or what? This is a, it's a Coney Omega. No, you want to hear, you want to turn it like that. No, that, that's too heavy. Too heavy? Why don't I put this in here so we don't hear the noise so much? So you see, the there is such a thing as something one has on one's chest and this to hold a camera. A strap. Not a strap. Oh, you mean a, a hitch? I don't know if it's a, a hitch. It's like made in metal. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Some kind of support. You see, when I, now here I have to... No, this is, here's your focus right back here. No, that's too heavy. This yeah, is I, heavy. I was afraid it might be. It's, it's, it's uh, I don't know what else uh, would, would give you that size, you know, the big negative. Um, the stand phone. Yeah. It's doing You have to leave it, because you see, we would have been interrupted 10 times. Yeah, really. Did your uh, luggage arrive? Um, they've already called about it to get directions, and it's going to be delivered shortly. I'm putting the tabs out on these. Good, I'll agree with that. Yeah, and uh, so my luggage will be there, and maybe, uh, maybe I should go get it. I don't know. You'd have to do. Uh, I have to be reborn, or somebody has to Muscle building exercises. I'm something. going to take up a tai chi now, in order oh. to strengthen myself. This French guy who. So nice, and uh, he's a very, he's a Chinese who did, does a marvelous job, apparently. And it's a uh, high risk because I have to build up my, my strength again, you see, I'm so weakened. Yeah. Very weakened and very depressed. Now, it's no wonder, of course, I shouldn't be depressed. But now I'm very depressed about this uh, situation with Islam, with my lawyer, and I have the feeling that I can't. The strange kind of a feeling that in the situation I cannot trust either the lawyer nor this one nor that one and that mm. everybody acts through his personal advantage and this, if this personal advantage is not just my advantage they would go over my head and I have the feeling why should I ever have gotten in a situation like this is one of the reasons why I have stopped to exhibit and, and all these things. But I will tell you later on completely honestly and frankly why I did all that. And why my husband, who is an incredible painter, and has had the experience in his life of somebody who comes, who walks into China, who goes to India, who walks over there, who lives in this country, who has had a hundreds of occupation from dishwasher to this, to business, to what? Excellent businessman. And many things had completely abandoned it because he didn't want to deal with it. Of course, it was terrible because he isolated himself. Mm, and yeah. one bad experience with a big gallery here, and that was it, and he didn't want it anymore. Mm. And, but he painted in a magnificent way. And you see, I was exactly by temperament and character like him. What did I need all this crap for? What do I need? This was what is called success. I don't believe in it. And what happens to me now in three years with Islam is um, such a kind of an upset, such, I mean, I'm getting sicker and sicker about the whole thing. I wish it would have never happened. I wish they would leave me alone so that I can work. What do I need that for?
you see, I, people are so competitive all over the world, of course, but here more than ever, that they cannot imagine that there are people who are not. Yeah, that's true. And I may be competitive in many things, but I've never been in my work or in my teaching. And the other day I talked to this woman journalist, and she said to me that she had talked to the daughter of Arbus, who is a bitch, Dune Arbus, and that she had said to her that I was in competition with Diane. You know, I like Diane's photographs very much, but I would not have wanted to make a single one. I would not wanted to do that, in which Diane had success, but what success I had when I started. And as a matter of fact, the success goes on and on and on and on and on, and the publicity without my making a move. So what am I going to be jealous about when I don't want it? And I said that people like Avedon and like these people, they are so competitive, that if competition would stop, they wouldn't be able to photograph, they would be paralyzed, mm. because one of the great motivation is competition. Mm. Yeah. And they can't understand. It's a very that. American thing, I think. I don't know. I guess I said the painters in Paris were as jealous and competitive as the people here. Yeah. Gerd says that, uh, that it's, he, he thinks it's uh, more American than, than probably it is than more, anywhere more intense yes. anyway. More intense. Yeah. Yes, no, of course New York is the most intense place for it. For it. In this yeah, country. but you see, it's more intense because certainly the people in Shanghai surround me where is it snowing? No. Just put on auto lights. Glance. The, uh, well, I know one thing we should ask that I've seen in print, and this is another thing we should explain because I, I don't know what it meant. Um, but when you started photography in France, and you've described how you, why you decided to take it up, um, is this thing about aviation photography? It's completely wrong. Completely wrong. Where did you get that from? I've seen it in print. Several places. I don't know. Uh, you must have seen it in print and marveled at it yourself. It was completely crazy because the only thing I know is that when I started, <coughs> somebody said to me, "There is an aviation festival. Would you like to photograph that?" And I said yes, and I went over there and I did. Now, was this a like a lot of planes on display and an aerial acts display? It was an international festival of demonstrating from every country in the world what is new and 
people flying. Oh, the, in Paris? In the Paris. Paris Air Show. Oh, yeah. <coughs> oh, yeah, that's the interesting thing is <laughs> that I did it so well. And then this man gave to the Ministry of Aviation my photographs. Uh-huh. There was a famous kind of a man there, Le Commandant Le Petit, who was the chief of the intelligence service in Paris. Uh-huh. And when he saw that his photographs were done by a person who wasn't French, he called me in. And he said, Mademoiselle, how is it you photographed this air festival? I said, the hell, I don't know. Somebody said I should do it, and I did. And then he started to say, how is it that your mother lives, lives in the French Riviera and you live here? And after a while, he saw that I was the most innocent person in the world, and he offered me some champagne. And we remained good friends. <laughs> and somewhere that story got turned into specializing <laughs> in aviation That's ridiculous. I've never seen an airplane since. <laughs> I photographed the Japanese delegate with a kind of a lollipop in his mouth, and I photographed very amusing things as a beginner. Then I put the films in hot water, and half of them were ruined. <laughs> I didn't know that Man Ray made a specialty out of that. <laughs> that's all. Out of ruining the negatives, you mean? <laughs> well, that's good to know because that's the thing that I've seen in several different articles. But somewhere, what outages? Oh, I have them somewhere. I'll, I'll dig them Where up. do you have outages? Well, the source uh, is that, I, I'm sure, is that sheet we got. Oh, from. Uh, from. What's her name? The. the we got it from. From, uh, from the files? Yeah, the one I sent you? House. It's really from Nancy Newell, Angela, I think. <clears throat> no, no, wait. Angela, the English girl who did a thesis or something. I don't know. On you, and that's... We can look who? it up. Angela Thompson, I think, is her name. Never heard of no, we, we, Whenever somebody wants to make a thesis out of me, I say I'm sorry. Yeah. <coughs> well, we'll look it up and we'll, we'll find yeah. out because it's, it's, it's a terrible Just erroneous. one afternoon I was there. That's what I thought. That's that makes much more sense. Yeah, other, did, I couldn't see you in an airplane with your <laughs> hanging your Rolleiflex out. I couldn't imagine why you would uh, do that. You know, that's ridiculous. Well, I'm glad I asked. Let me ask another question about because you said you know this man uh, Victor Bauer, I think you said it was said you should get a profession. You know, that do it. It's no, it wasn't Victor Bauer. Oh, um, who did you say it was? It was Hans Eisler. Ah. He didn't even say that. He only said how you would uh, you make a living if you had to. Well, what I'm wondering is, why did you not pick something else that would be even more business-like? Let's but say. what? I don't know. I mean, real estate. I, I don't no, know. I didn't even know what that was. Listen, dear. <clears throat> and there was nothing. I knew that my sister, she didn't make a living out of photography at all. But she was an excellent amateur photographer, and <coughs> she had an enlarger, and so much I knew that one needed people to print, for printing. Mm-hmm. And that's all I ever wanted, even when I came to America. Yeah. <coughs> well, I just wondered if there were any other kind of, uh, like a, you know, uh, I don't know what it would be, sign painter or something, mm-hmm. that, you know. What? Like a, like a sign painter or something uh, that you might have thought of as a profession or as a, just to make money. You see, also in Paris, people cannot make a living uh, because they, are not, they have no working permit. They can only do things freelance. 
If you can't work in a factory, you can't do anything. You can't get a regular job without yeah. a working permit. Yeah. How? Yeah. Which you couldn't get as an Austrian citizen at that time, huh? No. I see. It's just the idea came to me, why not learn that and then get a job as a darkroom worker or something like that. Uh -huh. <coughs> which I couldn't, as a matter of fact, which in France I couldn't have gotten except as, a, as, a, as an assistant of a photographer or something like that. Because you didn't have the permit? I wasn't a French citizen. <coughs> did you ever Did you ever think about becoming a French citizen? Never. My mother was, my sister is. But why should I become a French citizen? Speaking of your mother, uh, when she was now, when you were in Paris, she was living... As a French museum. In, in Nice? Yeah. Um, did she, and she continued to live there? Until she died. Until she died. When, when was that? That Just I don't know, it's during the war. Okay, I don't know, 45, 46, 43, 42. I think the, the fact that my brother was put away in a concentration camp killed her out. Mm. Because the French authorities had promised that she was supervising him that she was responsible for him and they couldn't touch him. Of course, they did exactly the opposite. They collaborated with the Nazis. The French? The French, definitely. What, what were the circumstances behind uh, your brother's... Uh, behind what? Your brother, what happened to your brother? My brother lived in France, in Nice at that time, with his wife. And he was uh, taking a trip, I think, to Monte Carlo. And then the buses were stopped. People were gotten out, and Austrian citizens, and there it was. So? And they just uh, took them away? What's that? Now, the, his wife... His wife voluntarily went with him into a concentration camp. She, could, she didn't have any business, she wasn't Jewish. <coughs> She wanted to go with him as far as she could. And she came out, and he didn't. And then she married this friend of, ex-friend of mine. Oh, uh, Bauer. Uh-huh. Now, and that, that's... Um, but when I wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And she's still alive. She's the one yeah. through whom she's you met one Gerd. who sent me a catalog of Bauer's paintings Sam the photographed, and that's the way I met Sam. Uh, Strange way of meeting somebody, isn't it? It <laughs> works in mysterious ways. Especially that I always ask for the standard photographic book. Never could find it. And said to him, should you ever find it in Germany, bring it to me. And he said, in Germany it doesn't exist, but yesterday I found it on Broadway and it's yours. <coughs> <coughs> That's the way I got the Santa book. I was looking for for two years. Um, I'm I'm curious here, just in talking about when you you began to photograph. Mm -hmm. um, and you say you started out with only the thought of being a darkroom worker or a printer or whatever for someone. Um, and you had your sister's Rolleiflex, and then you bought your self Rolleiflex and a Leica. I think you said. Yeah, but the Leica I didn't use. You didn't, you didn't use because it? Because at that time my hands trembled. I couldn't hold it. 
And I only use the roller flicks. I like I use the New York. I'm just wondering, just sort of for the record, what, um, just some, some kind of, when you first started, what sorts of, like, is there a particular film that you always use that you started with, or do you have any? I had no idea what a film even was. You just said? I mean, just what they told me to put in. How did you uh, first come to grips with the, the technical aspects of developing film and making films? It was very simple. My sister showed it to me once, and that was it. So this is how you do it? And film I couldn't develop for many years. I left it in as long as I wanted to, and I had no idea. <coughs> but not too badly. I also printed quite well. There's no problems, you see. So, in the beginning, uh, everything, all the technical things that you knew were either your sister told you or they were things you just discovered while you were working? Yes, exactly. I worked immediately with three developers, for instance. You mean in printing? Yeah. Soft one, medium one, hard one. Started in the soft one, put it in the medium one, the hard one switched back into the soft one. Simple. I had a great sense of tonalities. And did your sister suggest that or did you read about it? No, she gave me these developers and I did, but she didn't work with me at all. The, um, how did you, how did you, did you have an exposure meter or did you guess or was there a chart or? Absolutely guess. <laughs> I guessed pretty well. I bought myself an, the first time an exposure meter, a light meter when I started to teach. And I remember that Ansel Adams once in San Francisco took a picture of me with a, with a first Polaroid camera. And I took one picture wrong. Next picture wrong, third picture wrong. Then you said, well, without a light meter, I said, answer, what kind of a lens do you have? And then I said this, and I said, and you, I would expose this and that way, and it was correct. They always thought I had no technique, but I have a lot of sense in many ways. Then I had to photograph three, four different films at the same time. Then I had to have a light meter. Yeah. <coughs> Infrared and color and black and white and so forth. But you work with whatever the simplest black and white film well, is. When I, photograph, when I will photograph now, I will take my light meter with me in order to check what I would expose it for and what the light meter says. And then see what the differences are and maybe expose this and that way. But after one week in the streets, I would never use a light meter. I think one has to be one's own light meter to a high degree. Mm -hmm. So you do t you you do take a light meter out and take a few readings and then you just yes in the cool. beginning but not after a while. Hmm. Okay, well, um, you said uh, that you came to the United States just on a visit initially. How did that? Uh, I mean, did you? Well. So relatives of my husband invited us to come here for a long time. They hadn't seen my brother, my husband, for a long time. He had some and Russian relatives who were living in New yes, York City? Yes, this is where we came. Oh. His sister and his brother-in-law. <coughs> and they asked us to come and to come and to come. So we decided to make a visit. And we came. We took the boat and... Yeah. And then we adored it and stayed here. 
So you came over, do you recall when it was, 38 sometime? Or 37. 37? Yeah. October 37. And this is a dumb question, I suppose, but I just wonder if you remember the name of the boat. <laughs> yes, wait a moment. Ile de France. It's the Ile de France. Ile de France. I was so seasick that I remember it to the end of my life. You're not, uh, you're not a great mariner? It was a rough crossing, guys. Rough. No, well, I got seasick immediately. October is not a great month. Yeah, it was a hurricane. And of course, I never get airsick, but seasick. Well, then, when you came over, uh, you were not expecting to stay, so you must have left almost yes. all your Yes, but belongings. you see, we had a small apartment in Paris, and there was never many things over there, and you know, wrote a friend, sent over the rest, and that was that. <coughs> a couple of suitcases, so what? Was, was your decision to stay primarily just because you liked it here, or were you uh, afraid that you know, France oh, was no. going to... When we left France, France said to us, well, you are going to there for three weeks? In two weeks, they are going to be back, you know? <laughs> because they, they detested America, or I don't know what. When we put our feet on this kind of a riverside ride, where the boat was landing, we fell in love with the city in one split second. And people didn't believe it. Your French friends. But I think what, what David's saying, in a sense, is in addition to, love, to falling in love with the city, did you have any feeling? Yes, that I had later on, of course, I had the feeling <coughs> that it would be the right thing to do. That there was an impending because, problem. Because of my husband, not because of myself. Mm. I would have never left Paris. I would have gone back. But then the idea that uh, the war would break out, which I, wouldn't, which I didn't know. <coughs> well, we, we've seen you referred to in the, uh, several publications is a refugee it's photographer. Not it's not at all, but I wasn't a photographer and I wasn't a refugee. <laughs> <laughs> of course, after a while, if you ask for the citizenship, you are a refugee. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, but the on the surface, the everyone who came to America exactly. from Europe and those But years. maybe I would have come back if I would have gone to, to back to France. And the situation would have come worse and worse. Maybe two years later you would have been back. I, mean, I may have come. No, never for myself. I wouldn't have been afraid for myself. You probably would have been okay in, in your own way, in, in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Or in think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I, this, is a, this is another... Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, you're on, you're on the boat, and it's a, this is, to me, this is a classical scene, you know, if you're coming in on a boat into New York Harbor, and I'm just wondering if it, if it really, if you had a very strong feeling just coming into the harbor and, you know, Statue of Liberty seeing the Statue of Liberty, I mean, it's a dumb kind of a scenario, but it's a true thing that people come in and see it. And no, it's, it's a fantastic impression to get of the city. Absolutely fantastic. What, do you, do you know, have any idea, uh, what it was about it that was so different or...? You know, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. These skyscrapers and this Statue of Liberty and this... It's absolutely overwhelming. <coughs> and we saw at that time the beauty of America, not only 
of New York City. The Americans didn't see. At that time, everybody in America was constantly running to Europe. They didn't see the beauty of that country, but really not. And when we constantly talked about it, for instance, the beauty of the hybrid, or the, the poetry of the skyscrapers and the lights, they didn't react to that. Only now. Yeah, and Bernice is a very good case in point. It took her living in Europe to recognize, to come back, and then she knew, and she yeah. recognized it. She says and a very know, similar we, thing, as a matter of fact, that it really just knocked her over. No, no. And, we, and my husband, my husband never would have gone back. He loved that country. And admired all kinds of aspects in New York, and of course. <coughs> so did, did you, uh, I'm wondering, did, did you, did you uh, see any other parts of the country besides New York initially? Well, we went then to Provincetown, you see, I remember. And our relatives still took us out to the lakes, and you see, and later on we went to San Francisco, and that again was an overwhelming kind of a thing. A couple of years later, you mean? Or? Oh, yes. Yeah. San Francisco, oh, we, we stopped in Washington and in Boston and in Baltimore <coughs> and went to Florida, you see. And Americans always said, all American cities are the same. Well, we didn't think so at all. When, when you, uh, when you came over, uh, how, how, um, how were you supporting yourselves at that point? I had a lot of money. You had, had the, you had gotten the money from. Uh, yes, I got the money from Italy, and I had it that that was sent over from England. I could live five years. But that was that the that was the end of it. That right? was the end. That was all. Let me interrupt for a second here. The, um, so that when you when you first arrived, uh, uh, finding a job, making a living oh, was no, not really an absolutely issue. Absolutely no. We took a very expensive apartment on Riverside Drive in this kind of a building which is called the Master Building, you know. The Master? <coughs> the Master Building. Is that, is this that is, yeah, that was the Röhrich Museum. And there were many very expensive apartments. And we had an apartment on the 20th floor, and we could see all the ships of the Hudson, and that was absolutely magnificent. Hmm. Amazing. And so, how long did you live there? There we lived one year, and then we moved to a cheaper place. And then we moved to Greenwich Village. Did you move to this apartment right then? Or? No, <coughs> into Grove Street. And then they threw it out because the house was sold and then we moved to 13th Street. And then we moved here. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so, uh, when, how long have you been here? When, when did you move in here? I have found out that I lived here. I remember that Diana took a course in the other place, you see on 13th Street, and then the next course she took here. That's the only way I can calculate. What, 56, and as, 57? And as she took one course in 55, and the other course in 56, I must have moved here at 56. Uh -huh. yeah. It's very long. 
In terms of uh, when you moved here, you said you had a friend pack up your apartment and just send you all the stuff. Somewhere I, I uh, saw a written thing saying that you left behind a lot of negatives. Yeah. Was that, uh, no, I didn't leave behind negatives. <coughs> what no, I did no was that I had photographed very interesting things in Italy, you see. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> that these were directed against the fascism because in in Italy, I could do what I want. There's a long, long story goes back, which I cannot tell you. Also encounters with people and with this terrible lawsuit that went on and stealing of property and almost meeting Mussolini because of that. This is all the stories related to the property in Venice. Very interesting things. <coughs> and when I came here, I took a lot of my negatives with me but then I left an enormous amount over there because they were dealing with Italy, with anti-fascism, and I didn't know what kind of a country that was. You see? You I had, I had never heard, frankly, I had never heard of America. I didn't know what America was. I, didn't, I had not the slightest idea what I was going to, what kind of a democracy that was. I had no idea. People in Europe were frightened, you see? When I took my films from Italy to Paris, Already I was frightened that they may arrest me on the border or things like that. So you left those in Paris? Yeah, unfortunately. And, and this, this would have been tremendous statements. <coughs> yeah, I would love to see those. Well, I don't know where they are. Because there was a woman living in the same house. And I said to her, send over the, all the things. And what you want, you can keep. But she, she kept an awful lot of things. For instance, she kept also this... Um, manuscript of, of Schoenberg and all kinds of things which never came here. Mm. Well, so what? I don't care about these things, really. Yeah, you survive without them. No, sure. It doesn't mean anything to me. You see, I'm not a collector. I'm the opposite. I throw everything out. <coughs> yeah. Well, I'm wondering if we should, uh, if there's some things we should go on with, or should we talk? More about some people in Paris? Or what do you think, David? Well, let's see. I don't want to go too much longer myself. Uh, why, don't you, why don't we go on tomorrow? Yeah, maybe that's the best. We can. Yeah, we're just in. about. We have a few more things to, to do about uh, people Paris and, and then we'll move to the US. So this is probably as good a time as any. Yeah. Away. Yeah, okay. Why don't we. Uh, why don't we do that? The dinner is beginning to get to me and make me feel like I want to <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> I should sleep, of course. So, uh, so. Was there one thing you said you were going to show us that you you said you had here? What was it? You mean the speech of Schoenberg? Oh, yes. I find it up till tomorrow. Okay, good. Okay, good.